Falcha. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for September 13th, 2023. Hello again. My name is Terrence O'Donnell and I'm coming back to the Your Digital Village with more news from around the world and an op-ed about something specific that I hope will make you sit up and pay attention. This once-a-week podcast is hosted on rss.com. It's also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. And it's free to subscribe to for now, but I do have a donations tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com to help support my activism. I do want this to be shared as much as possible in order to push people to get up and make a difference in the world before it gets too late. Much like passing a hat at the end of my visit to your village. A little about me. I'm a senior citizen activist of Irish descent and a self-professed Shauna K, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under your village oak tree where I have headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles that are important but sometimes lost in the shuffle of cable news. These stories are generally about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice. For each article I present to you, there will be a link to read the piece in its entirety in the follow-up newsletters I post at medium.com, substat.com, and in the blog section of my website at crombiha.com. I have more about my website during the break. I will be taking a small break once I've given you the headlines I've picked out for this week. Then after the break, I'll bring you the second half with today's special topic. So this week, I have the usual mix of world politics, climate change and racism, and everything else. In the second half, I'm going to talk some more about white supremacy and the doctrine of discovery around the world and what the Christian church has had to do with all of that. So let me start with the first story of the week. The first one I got for you, UN Envoy links temporary foreign worker program to contemporary forms of slavery. Migrant workers make up about 15% of Canada's agricultural workforce, Statistics Canada says by Darren Major in CBC News. If things must be pretty bad in Canada if migrant farm workers are, work, are found working in near-modern slavery conditions as found by a UN inspector after a complaint was lodged to the Haitian government by one of the Haitian farm workers. It looks like this problem is pretty near worldwide these days. My next story is more about farm workers and I got this one today out of today's news. Billionaires cash in on abusive farm worker scam. To staff their agricultural properties, billionaires like Bill Gates, Rupert Murdoch, and other tycoons are using a controversial visa program linked to labor abuses and human trafficking. And I got this one out of www.labornews.com by Sam Knight. It seems that the billionaires are buying up as much farmland as they can in the U.S. with little oversight. And to deal with the labor issues, they scam migrant workers with the H-2A visa program. Low pay, threats of deportation are the issues that force workers into indentured servitude for these corporate billionaire landholders. Now you know why your grocery prices keep going up. More profits for the billionaires who don't need the money and exploiting vulnerable foreign workers by treating them as near slaves. Inhumane living conditions and not enough money for a living wage, restrictions on who to work for, restrictions on travel, and so on. These billionaires are buying up as much farmland as possible because that has become the new real estate boom. The days of family farms are fading away quickly. So this one, uh, my next article, it comes out of Mexico. Court decriminalizes abortion across Mexico from BBC.com. Good news for Mexico, a noted Catholic country. 
This is progress for them. Not only for the ignorant Americans would go back to things they were before last year when they uh, dissolved Roe versus Wade, uh, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. And I've got a couple of LGBTQ articles now. Beyond Two-Spirit, indigenous people look to revive traditional LGBTQ terms. Research shows 150 indigenous communities acknowledge multiple genders. Colonialism introduced idea of binary by Lewis Big Eagle and CBC News. This story from Canada shows that all shows all that being two-spirited in indigenous cultures is normal and accepted. It's only the Jews, Christians, Hindus, and Muslims who seem to have a problem with this concept. Except for the Hindus, this lack of acceptance may all come from the same source, the one God religion that came from Mesopotamia way back in time. The GOP says queer folks have destroyed the traditional family, but we're just the latest scapegoat. This is commentary by Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld. After the decline of communism around the world, the right needed other villains to scapegoat to further its own political agenda. And this came out of www.lgbtqnation.com. This commentary article talks about what most of us educated Americans already know. The GOP needs another other to point fingers at and tell everybody, be very afraid of these people after the fall of Eastern European communism. I agree. Families are families. And there is nothing in the teachings of the prophet Jesus about only a man and a woman can make up a family. He accepted all without bias. So why do the Christians who came after the Romans think they are better than everyone else? So now we're going to get back into worldwide politics here. Myanmar journalist jailed for 20 years for cyclone coverage. Sentencing of Sai Zhao Daiki at one-day trial for treason and defamation shows press freedom has been completely quashed under the agenda, editor says. And this came out of the Guardian.com World News. An example of what may become in the U.S. if the GOP takes complete control of the government. Trump and DeSantis have already alluded to this if elected. This is why we can't let these lunatics win the election in 2024. And now we're going to get into some climate articles here. Um, my, my first one is occupied by the U.S. Wildfires renew Native Hawaiian call for sovereignty. As disaster capitalists descend on Lahaina, indigenous Hawaiians fight for self-governance. This came out of TheGuardian.com by Claire Wang. Native Hawaiians pushing to get their lands back from the U.S. government is a good idea. But will the rich white people go for that? Not without a lot of pushback. Too many capitalist developers would lose too much money, so they will lobby Congress hard to stop anything like that. I am all for it, since the U.S. stole it from them in the first place. Hawaiians would do a better job of taking care of everything anyway. I wish them luck, because they're going to need all the help they can get. And my next article comes from across the world, here, well, halfway across, in Ireland. Um, and this came out of Friends of Sinn Féin. It's called Never Giving Up, a letter from Ireland. So I received another troubling letter from Friends of Sinn Féin on September 8th with the news that the British government did in fact pass their legacy bill to protect their own from justice. It wasn't unexpected, but upsetting nonetheless. Now it's up to the Irish governments of both the North and the South, as Dublin needs to support them, to push this into the world court in the EU. Now the question is, will they do it? And I saw another article on this today that Parliament in England has made this official. 
So, yeah, we'll wait and see what the go both governments in Ireland are going to do about this. And maybe they'll come together and actually do something. And now we're going to go to Australia. Hundreds of Aboriginal children likely buried in unmarked graves at three West Australian missions. This came out of the Guardian.com Australia News by Sarah Collard and Lorena Allum. How many times are the European Christian churches going to be called out over their abuses of indigenous peoples? Most especially the children who were forcibly removed from their families in the 19th and 20th centuries. Of course, the governments are all quick to point fingers at the churches, even though they sanctioned these abuses by supporting everything they did as another more humane way to commit genocide. How, you know, how was it the Americans said it best? Remove the Indian from the Indian. In, this, in the case of the Australians, it was remove the elbow from the elbow. Opinion. And this one is out of the news today. And I got this one out of CNN.com by Lara Satrakian. Opinion. A mountaintop enclave facing genocide and a plan to stop it. There's a small war going on in Nagorno-Karabakh. It's a mountaintop area populated by Armenians living just inside the borders of Azerbaijan since the old Soviet days. And it's about its independence from Azerbaijan that's been going on for decades. But now it appears that the Azeri protesters managed to stop nearly all traffic in or out because of one major road. The people up there are starving now, which is probably by design. And the UN is trying to get food and medicines into them with little success. This is what ethnic prejudice does to people. The U.S. is heading down this same road. They aren't there yet, but you can see it on the horizon in certain red states. And it's not just here in Azerbaijan, um, but it's going around the world in several other places. I'm not quite this extreme quite, but there are hunger strikes going on over injustices and things like that. Here in the United States, we don't have anything like that yet, but we've got a lot of red states who are trying to restrict everything especially a couple of them who restricted women from traveling out of state to get abortions, threatening to put them in jail and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, this stuff is coming. So now we're going to come back to the United States. This is about education. I got a couple of articles here on education. Idaho created a $25 million fund to fix unsafe schools. Why is nobody using it? And this came out of ProPublica.org by Becca Stravansky in the Idaho Statesman, and the photo, uh, photography by Sarah A. Miller, again in the Idaho Statesman. About a decade ago, one school district went to the state for money to fix its crumbling buildings. It got a fraction of what it asked for. Since then, no other district, district has even applied. So it's another article about the crumbling schools in Idaho that I told everyone about a few weeks ago. State of Idaho and a few others complain they don't have enough tax revenue to build up the new schools. All they can do is continue to patch up the old ones until the buildings are condemned for being unsafe for habitation. These GOP-run straights brought this on themselves by not taking care of their citizens. A lot of folks have and are leaving these poor rural states for a better standard of living. If they keep going, they won't have anyone left but a few old folks hanging on and a lot of empty ghost towns and cities. And I can attest to that because you know, I've said this before. I used to live in the state of Maine and I grew up there. And I lived there for 10 years after I got out of the Army. And Maine is one of those states where the, the small rural towns up in that state, due to lack of funding and anything for anybody to do other than farming and stuff like that, young people are all leaving in droves. And the only people left 
are the family farms, which are, you know, dwindling fast and furious, and the elderly people who are depending on uh, Social Security, Medicare, uh, and then, believe it or not, these towns have a lot of empty buildings, a lot of empty churches. Some of the towns have become ghost towns now. So not just in Maine, but a lot of other these red states, not Maine is not that Maine is that much of a red state, but a lot of red states out west are finding the same thing. Towns are going empty and schools are going empty. Government buildings are going empty due to lack of people. And I got my next article. A few schools mandated mass. Conservatives hit back hard by Hannah Nattinson and Nirapel and Megan Vasquez. This came out of the WashingtonPost.com. School has started for all the schools in the U.S., but the fight over masks to prevent viral infections is ramping up again. As Jessica Wildfire, a famous author, has been writing about since forever, the COVID virus and other airport variants are far from gone. These conservatives are more concerned about any government authorities telling them how to raise their children and don't want their kids wearing masks in schools. What about the rest of humanity? I'm waiting for the next COVID-like epidemic that will be more deadly and wipe out all these stupid humans. Then maybe we won't have to worry about being overwhelmed by immigrants. There won't be anyone left to complain anymore. And this is a political article here. Mike Huckabee ripped for horrific bullets warning over 2024 election by Ed Mazza. And this came out of, where did I get this? Um, Well, I got this out of newsyahoo.com but actually came out of something else here. Uh, More and more GOP politicians are coming right out and telling the public that there will be enough people upset if Trump doesn't become the next U.S. president that they will start shooting things up and kill people to get what they want. Could these public figures like Mike Huckabee, Sarah Palin, Senator Colton Colton Moore, and Carrie Lake be advocating for a civil war over Donald Trump? Well, that's the question. These people are indeed on, on public media telling people that they're going to come out shooting if Donald Trump doesn't become the next next president. You know, are these people um, large enough public figures to gin up enough of that? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. And I got this article, and this is, this is an ongoing article about Wisconsin. I've talked about Wisconsin several times in the last few weeks, and here's another one. What Republicans are doing to Wisconsin is a warning sign to all Americans by Andrew Gawthorpe in TheGuardian.com. So the Republicans in Wisconsin are so infused with their idea of total control that they're going against the will of the majority of the voters to stay in power. First, it was the illegal gerrymandering, gerrymandering as they call it, and now trying to impeach the new liberal state Supreme Court justice before she even sits down for the first time. All because she said she will end the gerrymandering and let the people decide who will represent them, instead of the minority of Republicans who have turned the state government into their own private fiefdom. You have to know that other red states are watching, and if Wisconsin gets away with it, they will try the same thing in their states. Republicans are already doing all they can to limit who can vote in a lot of these red states, and this was only going to add to the mess. And here, this next article is is kind of a racist educational article, kind of a culmination. It's called Black Churches in Florida, Buck DeSantis. Our churches will teach our own history, unquote. 
Some black churches in Florida are stepping up to teach black history, saying that the state is watered-down versions taught to students. Florida has been a battlefield for teachings about race. And this came from Deborah Barfield Berry in USA Today. African Americans of Florida and likely other states where history classes are being rewritten towards the white European narrative are starting to get together and teach their cultural history through their churches, much like how they did during the Jim Crow period. Only back then, it wasn't so much about American history. This could turn into a big thing within the United States as more and more public schools get shut down, teachers leave the red states or leave the profession altogether. Communities will start taking care of themselves and further divide the country. And now I have an immigration article. And this came out of the nationalpost.com. It's a Canadian article. John Iveson, who runs a newscast up there in Canada. Canada's UN envoy warns of a North American migrant crisis unlike any other. Ambassador Bob Ray said that one of the things Canada can do is to bring together countries in the region to deal with what is an increasingly serious humanitarian situation. From a Canadian publication, as I mentioned, a dire warning from Canada's Yuan envoy who traveled down to the Darien Gap in Costa Rica to view the migrant problem. And he says it's becoming a serious humanitarian issue as thousands flee their home countries from North America as they are guided by misinformation by the smugglers who use social media to lie to potential migrants about how easy it is to get from South America to North America. There are no facilities that take care of all these refugees, and a lot of them are dying along the way. The envoy wants to put together a humanitarian coalition to address the problem. Good luck with that, as the conservatives in, in the U.S. and in Canada, too, for that matter, won't have any part of anything like that, at least not right now, anyway. They don't, these conservatives, mostly white people, don't want immigrants coming to the North America. And that's, it's going to be a real problem going forward. Now, this one here, we're going back overseas. This is another education article here I picked up from South Korea. And this is from the Guardian.com by Rafael Rashid in Seoul, Korea. Abused, traumatized, and powerless. South Korea's teachers on why they are protesting. It's not just an American problem. Students coming from privileged households and spoiled by their parents are seriously abusing their teachers. And so are a lot of the parents. And the teachers in South Korea have had enough. Now, if only Americans would take a lesson here. But the teachers are protesting in America in their own way, but not like the Koreans. They actually won, the teachers actually went on strike there. How a conservative gun-toting doctor defended abortion access in Appalachia by Eric Boudman. And this came out of www.statnews.com. So this is, it's a, it's a, it's a doctor, doctor's article, more or less, but it's about abortion. Um, it's a nice story about how a nice doctor, an OBGYN doctor, took good care of the women in Appalachia and in uh, Tennessee, you know, Bristol, around the Bristol, Tennessee, South Virginia area, and a couple other states. He had opened up clinics in another couple of places um, to take care of everything. But it got to the point where he had to start carrying a gun to visit his clinics because of Bible-toting folks who were upset for a lot of what he did. You know, eventually they... They, you know, they still treated him badly in a lot of ways, but the women really appreciated what he was doing. The rest of the story about what happened after he retired, and it all went downhill from there. That's a shame. And the article talks about 
he wanted to retire. He's in his 70s, and he uh, tried to find somebody to hand the clinics over to, and that didn't work out so good. And this one, this is an environmental article. The environmental warriors at Burning Man left a disgusting mess behind. There's a lot of trash stuck in the Nevada desert mud right now. And this came out of Futurism.com by Victor Tangerman. So, so much for the climate activists and environmentalists who pride themselves on returning the land used at a festival back to the way it was before they arrived. When the rain fell and panic set in, all of that activism disappeared quickly when it came to taking care of themselves. Now the organizers are on the hook for cleaning up after all the panic revelers. Maybe next time they will have a better understanding of human nature and plan accordingly, or not do it at all, which would probably be better for all concerned, or at least for on the environment anyway. And basically what this article talks about is because the big rainstorm came in, everybody had a panic attack, and when, as soon as things dried up enough for them to get out of there, them folks couldn't leave fast enough, and they left all their trash behind. I mean, literally, mountains of stuff. And this is another environmental article. We're going to go back overseas again. This one came out of Sri Lanka. People are fishing by just throwing dynamite in the water. Blasting is widespread, misreported, and ongoing. Uh, this came out of Futurism.com by Noor Al-Siba. As if the world doesn't have enough environmental impact issues, Sri Lanka's fishing folk are so desperate for food and money, they're throwing high explosives in the waters surrounding Sri Lanka and netting up the dead fish. They don't care about the race or the marine life. All they care about is netting as much fish as possible in one day for food and money for that day. They don't care about tomorrow. And, it, yeah, it's becoming a real environmental issue over there. And, you know, getting a whole... First of all, where are they getting stuff like C4 and everything else, uh, and, nitro, and nitroglycerin and all that, to throw in the water in the first place? You know, somebody's going to get really hurt and killed over there, not to mention the fish. And this is another environmental article here. This is kind of for the whole world. What would happen if the world cut meat and milk consumption in half? Agricultural emissions would fall by almost a third, but getting there won't be easy. And this came out of the grist.org by Raul Arboleda. An interesting article about the high demand for meat in the human diet and what would happen for the environment if humans cut it back by half. You know, of course, they say you would lose emissions by a third. Given how new humans are slow to change, this seems a near impossible task, but it could be done if there's enough will to do so. The amount of methane eliminated, the lack of need to deforest for grazing lands, and all the other benefits outweigh the dietary habits currently in vogue. There are other food sources that can be substituted for beef, milk, pork, and chicken consumption to get the needed protein in our diets. And yeah, they're talking about, you know, given humans in their consumption of meat these days, not likely to happen anytime soon. But truthfully, it needs to happen. Something needs to really ramp up a marketing campaign to get everybody off of uh, all the meat here. So now I've got a social article from China. It's offensive. Backlash against China's good for marriage women's trend. And this deals with women's rights in a lot of ways. Style featuring pastel makeup and modest clothing has taken off, but many are objecting to the ethos behind it. And it came out of the Guardian.com World News by Helen Davidson in Taipei and agencies. It seems that modern Chinese women don't want to be trad wives over there any more than American want to do in some states. 
They are using social media to fight back against the idea that China needs more babies and all women need to do their part. There are quite a few countries now showing decreases in population strengths and the world's superpowers don't want to accept that. They need bodies to keep going and as, as always, they will try anything, and I mean everything, to convince women to make babies. So China's got a big problem with population decreases and they're trying to convince more of their women over there um, to make babies to stay home. And the women don't want to. You know, it sounds like an American thing. It'd be interesting to see how the Chinese government does that, given they're a little more authoritarian than uh, we are. This is another abortion article. Abortion snitching is rising in America. Who can women trust? No one. And I got this one from Median.com by Karen Marie Shelton. Story about, from a medium writer talks about how Americans in certain states are getting on that conservative Trump train and gleefully informing on their neighbors in anti-abortion states. It's becoming a growing trend in some parts and spreading. If this is allowed to continue, the only women living in these parts of the country will be white Christian trad wives, to coin the new phrase. All the rest will have moved on or been imprisoned or killed. And my next article comes out of BBC.com by Catherine Armstrong. Switzerland, hundreds of sex abuse cases tip the iceberg, say researchers. Switzerland has been investigating Catholic, Catholic Church clergy abuses going back decades. And they have identified over a thousand cases. And that is just a small sampling of what they believe to be a whole lot more. Like in other countries, the Catholic Church considered themselves above the law and tried to cover it all up. This religious sect has perpetrated so many crimes throughout its history, going back to 330 A.D., they should be just shut down and the door shuttered. But, of course, we know that's not going to happen. But think about it. This is coming out of Switzerland. The Irish had a major issue with the Catholic Church abusing women and children there for, for years, you know, hundreds of years. And how many other countries in Europe have they done this to? The Catholic Church abused indigenous people over here in this country. Uh, you know, just here, but in North America in general. They abused indigenous people in the, in the in the Central and South Americas, through the, through the Spaniards and the Portuguese. And, you know, everywhere the Catholic Church has gone, they've taken advantage of their religious privileges and abused people everywhere. So, you know, this needs to stop. You know, it's, it's everywhere and it just needs to go away. My last article is a Tom Hartman article from thehartmanreport.com. And this is in, this is in, you know, we just had uh, our sort of kind of unofficial holiday here of 9-11 here in the United States. America can't let the 9-11 war lies go down the memory hole. America has been lied into too many wars. It's cost us too much in money, credibility, and blood. We must remember the lies and tell our children about them so that memory isn't lost. So as a soldier who deployed all of the wars from Vietnam to Afghanistan, I support this idea of publicly airing the lies that presidents and their cronies told everyone to further their personal agendas. The lies from McNamara and LBJ for the Vietnam War were brought out several years ago, but they didn't go that far. Largely forgotten now. In time, Bush and Cheney lies will also fade away in American consciousness, if we let it. Then history is doomed to repeat itself again in the future. And and that's the big thing. So that's the all. I, that's all of my news stories I have for you in the first half. So it's now the time for me to take a break, and I'll be back in a couple of minutes. 
So while I'm on a break, give a listen to my commercial here a little bit, a couple minutes, and stay tuned for my uh, my op-ed in the second half. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crombiha.com. You may use the link in the newsletters to find it for the first time, as the name is in Gaelic and a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like what I write, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, there is a homepage where you can learn a little more about what Crombie Hall means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little bit more about me in general. I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast newsletters. I also have a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts and Spotify, a page with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you enjoy reading short stories, poetry, and blog articles from great writers around the world, I recommend Medium and Substack as great choices to find what you like to read about most and dive in as much as you want. Disclaimer, if you want to read my complete articles and stories in Medium.com, you will need to sign up for a subscription of $5 a month or $50 a year. I offer everything for free for one month in Substack. Then it's $5 a month or $30 a year with an advert to sign up on my web pages. These are the minimums these companies will allow me to charge, unfortunately. All the stories, poetry, and newsletters I write will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to subscribe to anything. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I will respond very quickly via email. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. This week, I have more of my essays about white supremacy, especially here in the United States, both past and present. I present two articles, one a book review from a medium writer about how the white European landholders set up the Constitution and how in a more modern times, the Supreme Court justices want all the laws to be interpreted by their original language and verbiage of this document which was written by wealthy descendants of European landholders and slave owners. All the references I represent here today and those from last week are designed to bring awareness to the current divisiveness around the world in nations that were originally colonized by these white Europeans based on the doctrine of discovery from Pope Nicholas V. A series of papal bulls, the first written in January of 1452 titled Dom Diversas, then in 1454, the Romanus Pontifex, directing the kingdom of Portugal and then Spain to go forth and make the world Christian by killing or enslaving all Saracens, Muslims, and other pagan indigenous peoples they encounter in their voyages of discovery, because white Europeans were the superior race of the world, something the European colonizers took to the Americas to heart and still try to do it today in the 21st century. So I want to start with a quote from the book that I told you about last week called Unsettling Truce. Quote, you cannot discover lands already inhabited, unquote. 
the native indigenous peoples called North America Turtle Island and described the atrocities committed by the Europeans when they encountered the inhabitants for the first time as outright genocide in the name of their church. As I talked about last week, that same imagination derived by the doctrine of discovery and Europeans' white exceptionalism is what has driven American politics and wars of conquest since they first started arriving on the shores of the American continent. And I say American continent, I mean both North and South and Central. It has become an entrenched societal belief dating back to these papal bulls that white Europeans are a far superior race and therefore God-ordained to conquer and rule over all the non-believers. It started out as an edict towards Islam, but was written to include all the peoples of the world who don't believe in the Christian faith and the Christian empire. This belief that only Christians can inherit the earth and all of its wealth since back to when the Roman Empire collapsed in the 4th century and re-emerged as the Holy Roman Empire. In the ensuing centuries, they scourged all of Europe to eliminate all the pagan religions of the time, and it set their sights on the world outside Europe. The white Europeans tried to discover and con conquer nearly every nation on earth and came close to achieving that goal until a few took exception to being invaded and fought back somewhat successfully, but at great cost. They include the kingdoms under the Islamic flag during the Crusades, China, Japan, India, who were all invaded, first with Christian missionaries and corporate merchant traders. These countries tolerated trade as long as there were no major demands made, until there were. Japan and China managed to throw out the Europeans to a degree so that they could negotiate terms of engagement on their terms, something they're still doing today. It took India a long while before they managed to throw the English back into the sea. As for the Americas, not so much, nor the tribes in the African continent. The American continents became sources of power, much like the African continent. Europeans discovered and claimed large swaths of land masses and then tried to enslave and eliminate all the natives living there so they could exploit all the resources and lands. That was all part of the doctrine of discovery from the Catholic Church. A Christian mandate to discover any and all lands in every corner of the planet and try to claim them for their monarchies and churches. The Protestants were just as bad as the Catholics. Some extreme Calvinist churches, the Pilgrims and the Puritans, lay claim to parts of North America as an extension of the biblical references in, from the Old Testament, where this God of Abraham gave the Israelites the promised land. These Christians used that to label North America as their new promised land given to them by this God. They need a reason why they were traveling across an ocean to a new land to start their lives over. The church leaders didn't want them to know that they had been persecuted to near death and thrown out of where they came from. Sell them on the idea of a shining city on a hill once they arrive. Although they may have skipped over the part where they would have to build that city out of the trees and rocks once they got there. As we can see, they managed to build a lot of shining cities on the hill in the Americas at a great cost of human lives. Millions of Native Americans across all the American continents were killed off, marginalized onto reservations, where a lot of them starved to death with a large part of them still living way below the white standard poverty line in the 21st century. Then there's the story of the millions of Africans who were killed, captured, and forced into slavery, first by the Portuguese, then the Spaniards, then the Dutch, and the English. First, they were brought to Europe and paraded around as if to say, look what I found. And then the kidnappings began in earnest once the European demand was created. Once the Europeans discovered the Americas and figured out the Africans made better slaves than the Native Americans, the boats couldn't move them fast enough for a couple hundred years. Then in the late 18th to 19th centuries, 
the Europeans started to realize that this was gross abuse and convinced some of their governments to end slavery. Not so much in the Americas, Australia, or on the African continent. The descendants of the European landholders decided that owning slaves was a must, as they had to build up their agricultural economies around the slave trade now and couldn't live without them without incurring great financial losses, especially in North America, Australia, and South Africa. It took a civil war for the relatively new United States to finally officially end slavery, but it never truly stopped. The same for Australia. And then South, you know, South Africa, they had their issue here about 20 some odd years ago uh, called apartheid. And, you know, they ended their issues with slavery down there as well. But things still aren't really great down there. The government and societal policies set up and enacted to marginalize any and all other humans of color around the world is still very much in place in the 21st century around the world. The American Declaration of Independence and the Constitution explicitly exclude Native Americans from being citizens, and only three-fifths of a black person may be considered a citizen when it calls for taxation and voting. Of course, women were not allowed to be citizens back then as far as taxing, taxes and voting. Uh, it's changed now, but certain states are trying to go back to that. It won't be long. Certain red states are probably going to tell women, we don't want you to vote anymore. Some things have changed since the 1780s, but non-white people in North America are still mentally considered non-citizens by a large portion of the white Christian population in the United States. Native Americans are still looked on as a conquered people and subjected to as much abuse as the white descendants of the Europeans can get away with. Same for descendants of the slaves and other peoples with darker skins. Ever since George W. Bush declared a sort of holy war against the Middle East over 9-11 because he wanted to be a wartime president and Dick Cheney needed a financial reason to start a war to steal oil and then scan the Defense Department out of billions to keep his corporations afloat, they have told the lies that the Muslim world is coming to invade the U.S., something Donald Trump ramped up even more when he was president which he also included the Mexicans and Latinos in that as well. Women in certain states are starting to lose more and more of their basic human rights because the Christian churches say so, according to their church and government leaders. Certain states are rolling back laws that protect non-white people and ramp up the scare tactics that the poor, darker-skinned peoples from Central and South America are invading North America and coming to steal everything, then rape, pillage, and kill all the white-skinned people. This includes the Tejanos, and other Spanish-speaking peoples who have been living north of the current Mexican border uh, long before the first white peers ever ventured into their lands. Most Anglo-Saxon Americans can't tell the difference, nor do they want to necessarily. As far as a lot of white-skinned descendants of the European colonizers are concerned, their ancestors discovered these continents and the islands in the South Pacific, and according to the Doctrine of Discovery, all these lands where the original inhabitants are considered conquered, belong to them as mandated by the Christian churches and by proxy the wealthy landholders and the governments. This mentality is what is driving a lot of the cultural divides in North America right now. This includes Canada. Certain people want to achieve power or retain it at any cost, and they will use any method to have it. Again, it all reverts back to the doctrine of discovery and the religious culture it spawned. India is still fighting off the vestiges of English colonialism today. The African continent is roiling with discontent fueled by past colonialism. South America is dealing with the past cruelties from their former masters in Spain and Portugal. 
Ireland, Scotland, and Australia are reconciling their past histories under British rule. Canada is also struggling with its English and Christian cultural past now in its reconciliation with the First Nations people. The Catholic Church has left a long, dark, cruel shadow across the world, along with their stepchild, the Protestants, who fallen in their footsteps. All because a Christian leader back in the year 325 AD decided to find a way to suck up to the Emperor Constantine, whom he met at the Council of Nicaea, as a way to stop the Romans from persecuting the Christians in Roman lands. The Roman Empire morphed into the Holy Roman Catholic Church soon afterwards, and now anyone who cares to look can see how that worked out for the world. Clergy abuses of the people, mass genocides around the world, all in the name of spreading the Christian religion to every corner of the globe. All to financially benefit the Catholic Church and give it more power. There's a reason why the first popes were called emperors back then. This religion, along with Islam, is like a cult in some ways. For the uneducated masses, the promises made of a heavenly afterlife, but not kept, are the only hope some of them have. Even more so until the last few decades. The luster is fading away now as people are finally realizing that most of the proselytized sizing has all been lies designed to take their money while the priests and nuns abuse their women and children. The cultural beliefs of white superiority and race exceptionalism are deeply entrenched in certain European countries, North America and Australia, because of the Christian churches. It's very apparent in England, the United States and Australia and Canada to a lesser degree. The fight is ramping up dramatically in these countries as more and more darker-skinned people are doing everything they can across the borders of these countries, hoping for a better life. The white Anglo-Saxon Christians are becoming even more scared that their moral superiority is finally coming to an end, and that is triggering some deep survival instincts that may lead to extreme violence in the United States, Australia, and England very soon. The world is seeing a little, seeing a little of that now, but it's only just beginning. So my two articles that go along with this is why the Supreme Court embraces originalism, a racist legal theory. We must evolve beyond the interpretations of white men by Allison Wiltz. And this came, you know, from medium.com. And in my next article, we have to come to grips with history. That's a quote by Robert P. Jones on the hidden roots of white supremacy and this is written by David Smith in Washington. As I said in the, in the beginning, it's a book review of sorts. I got this out of the Guardian.com. So this U.S. scholar finds a source of Trump's racist appeal and current culture wars over the teaching of the American past in papal doctrine and deadly Christian certainties. The doctrine of discovery I talked about last week. I also wanted to add in this sense a white except race exceptionalism as mentioned in his book on settling truths, something I talked about last week. So that's all I've got for you this week. And that's, I promise, it's the last thing I'm going to mention about the Doctrine of Discovery for now. Uh, I think I've kind of beaten it into everybody's brains at this point that the Catholic Church is not necessarily a good, a good place, uh, not, not a good religion in itself. I've got nothing against Christianity. If it's implied exactly how it was originally done by the prophet Jesus, but the Catholic Church subverted that, and turn it into an empire, and that's where everything went wrong. So that's what I'm going to close this out with. Just I'm going to leave you with that. And if I've offended any Christians, um, I'm sorry, but not sorry, okay? Because you've been brainwashed. Your your parents, your grandparents, great grandparents, 
and all of your ancestors all going all the way back. They've been brainwashed by the church and it's time to wake up and, and realize what this, what these hierarchies have been doing to you. And I'll let that go. So I hope you come back next week and I'll have another good show for you. I'd like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. You'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. Just search for the Village Oak Tree in your favorite podcast app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Key, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness go through your door. Schlongo foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.